Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. I can't really, I can't really wait to hear what I've got to say. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing. Well, uh, we, we love being here in uh, beautiful, uh, rainy and uh, foggy Colorado. I was telling my wife on the way here this morning, uh, maybe this is global dripping. I don't know what, what it is. She said not to say that. I thought it was funny, but uh, anyway. We love this church. We love your pastors, um, Brady and Pam. I mean, what, what, what incredible people. And I grew up in Denver, and Debbie did too. My wife is here uh, with me today, and uh, some, some of our family is here. And uh, so Colorado is, we've been away for a long time, but it's, it's special. And this, this house, this church, my, my daughter and son-in-law met each other here at New Life, and uh, so we've been invested here for a long time, and when Brady asked me if I'd be an overseer, what an honor that is, and it's just an honor to uh, be able to speak to you guys uh, this morning for just a few minutes, and I, I wanna get right into it. Uh, a lot of us, if you ever ask the question, why am I here? Why am I here? Now, it could be one of several things, you know. For some of us, it, it's kind of an excitement uh, you, you never thought you'd, you'd be here. Maybe it's a relationally or maybe it's something going on at work and uh, so, something happens. And just, why am I here? What, what do I do now? What's next for me? For many of us, it's on the other side of that equation. You want, it, it, the question comes as a result of maybe a life stage. You know, maybe you thought that you would be married by now or maybe you thought you would have a job or the career, and all of it's kind of foggy, and what, why am I here? Why am I here? Or for some of us, maybe it's this pursuit for the it, the thing, you know? It's, things are going okay in life, but what is it? I mean, I hear people talking about calling and, and that God has a specific purpose for them or for me, and, and, and what is it? So what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you about three words, identity, purpose, an assignment, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of move the ball forward uh, in our lives in those areas, and um, I'm hoping there'll be a few aha moments this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit from Ephesians chapter 2 and then also from Genesis in the creation story. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, but we are God's handiwork. The, the original is poema, we're God's poem. God has created us, we're his handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, right? To do good works, which by the way, God prepared in advance for us to do. Mark Twain said the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. <laughs> and I think, I hope for some of us today we might find out a little bit more about why we were created. Why were we born? Is there a specific purpose for me, for my work? If so, how do I find it? What if I go through my whole life and never do? Like I said earlier, I hope that maybe there'll be some aha moments today as we uh, take a look at that. But, but, but first, before I dive into the word a little bit, I, I just want to I found an explanation of life that really cleared it up for me, and I want, I want to read it to you. On the first day, God created the dog. 
And God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. And I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years and I'll give you back the other 10. And so God agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey and God said, entertain people, do monkey tricks and make them laugh and I'll give you a 20 year lifespan. The monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. The dog gave you back 10, so that's what I'll do too, okay? And God agreed. And on the third day, God created the cow. He said, you must go into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun and have calves and give milk to support the farmer and I will give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life that you want me to live for 60 years. Let me have 20 and I'll give back the other 40. And God agreed again. And on the fourth day, God created man. And God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, and enjoy your life. And I'll give you 20 years. And the man said, what, only 20 years? Tell you what, I'll take my 20 and the 40 the cow gave back and the 10 the monkey gave back and the 10 the dog gave back and that makes 80, okay? And God said, okay, you've got a deal. And so that's why the first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. The next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. The next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. In the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everyone that goes by. So, so life has been explained to you, all right? Well, let's start at the beginning. Genesis is a great place to start in a search for answer, uh, answers about the nature of God and, and work. It's a book of beginning, and, and, and in the first chapters, God reveals the foundational principles about his character that will weave all through his story the rest of the, uh, of the Bible. And so I'm gonna begin in uh, Genesis chapter one and verse 26, and it says this. Then God said, let us, say us together. It's the beginning of the, we, we see the Trinity in the beginning of everything, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God said, let us make mankind in our image. Say image together image. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. In our likeness so that they may rule. Say they may rule together. They may rule. We're going to talk about that. Over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the land stock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule, let's say rule together, rule. We'll talk about that. Over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, every tree that has fruit in it and seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath, of life in it, I give everything, every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So let me give you three ideas here about why you're here. 
and why your work, whatever that is, why it matters. Here's the first one. I am made in his image. Let's say that together. I am made in his image. God said, let us make mankind in our image. You know, how have you, our, our grandparents here today? Any grandparents here today? How many of you, if, if you'd have known it was this good, you'd have skipped parenting and gone right to grandparenting, right? And so the greatest compliment that you can give a grandparent is to say about the grandkids, they're just like you, right? They're just like you. Well, I think I've got a picture of, of my, my grandkids. I had to bring it. Do we have it? There it is. There, there's our family. This past Easter, we have four kids um, and uh, 14 grandkids and seven dogs. And we were all together last week uh, uh, to start our summer break. That was not a vacation. That was an endurance test. <laughs> These are our grandkids. My, my oldest one is Miles. He's over on the far left-hand side. Youngest one is down in the, in the middle. Miles is 15 years old. And, and, and Miles um, last year was in the eighth grade, and uh, he played on his varsity high school soccer team and he was all-region player of the year. Now, when that happened, I pulled Miles aside, and I said, Miles, where do you think you got your talent? And he said, God. I said, no, your papa. That's where you got it from. <laughs> I always tell him, when they do something good, it's probably papa's genes coming through, you know? What I would like to have is people just say that, just say, they're just like you, because what a compliment that is. Well, the Bible says that we are the crown jewel of God's creation. We are the imago Dei in Latin. Animals are not made in the image of God. They're, they're, they're created by God, but they're not stamped with his image. Creation is beautiful, and you know that here in Colorado, but it's not stamped with the image of God. You and I are made in his image. If he had an iPhone, you would be the screensaver, you know? If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. You are, you are the crown jewel of God's creation. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Obviously, we're, we're different than all of creation. We can reason, we have complex language. We can solve difficult problems, we can create, we can describe what we're feeling and what our thoughts are, but there's more to it than that. This text that we just read was written hundreds of years after the creation story, and it's, it, it's set uh, in, a, in, a, uh, uh, in ancient kingdoms, and so they would have been familiar with this concept of image. They would have been familiar with this concept of a king's image because kingdoms were large and travel was slow and a king couldn't be everywhere at once. And so what they would do is they would, they would erect an image of a king. You might be hundreds of miles or even thousands of miles away from where that king actually was, but when you saw the image that told you that that king reigns here, Okay, that, 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 that is a reflection of the rule of that king. That was an image of the king. It, his rule extended wherever his image was found. The same was true of idols and gods. And you read a lot about that, you know, in, in the Old Testament, especially in the New Testament. 
uh, where they would have these idols that were false gods, and nobody thought that that idol itself was a god, but that idol was a reflection of the presence, whatever that meant, or the rule, it was an image that showed that that god is the ruler of this area, wherever you happen to be. The same was true of, of, of all of those things. Well, we are created to be image bearers of the one true God, the Imago Dei. Human beings, Adam and Eve and us, were created to be a graphic image of the Creator. You wanna know what the Creator looks like? You wanna know what the rule of the Creator looks like? Just look at who God has created, what He's really look, looks like. Well, and you say, uh, wow, where did that go off the rails? In chapter three, when sin came in, it always ruins things. But here's the question, did sin destroy the image of God? No, it just disfigured it. We lose our moral purity, our intellect is corrupted by falsehoods and misunderstandings, our speech no longer glorifies God, our relationships are governed more by selfishness rather than by love. And then here's the gospel. Jesus comes as the perfect Imago Dei. And by his spirit and by his word, we are transformed little by little into a more accurate reflection of who God is. And then here's the ideal. We then, transformed into the image of God, little by little, we are dispersed into the school system, into the marketplace, into the public square, into the political spaces, and we are to accurately reflect who God is as we are being conformed into his image every day. Amen. That's the plan. And that's why God cares about my work because I am created in his image. And he has a plan for me. Now, here's the second thing. I have a purpose in God's story. I'm made in his image and I have a purpose in his story. Look, look back to the scripture. It said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. Say they may rule together. They may rule. I mean, let me, uh, let me ask you another question that's similar to the first one. Have you ever felt like what you do doesn't really matter in the big picture? Honestly. If you, you're, you're, you're doing something, you go, how does this matter in the big picture? Maybe you, you feel unworthy because of what you've done and it just haunts you and haunts you and comes up again and again and again. Or it maybe you feel that what you're doing is very insignificant. Or you may feel that life is passing you by, that your window of opportunity has already passed. Usually this happens uh, on anniversaries, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever, that begin or end with a zero or a five, you know. And we kind of measure, but I'm 35 years old, I should be, right? Or I'm 50 years old, or I'm 60 years old, is, is it over for me? Or I'm 70, is there anything left for me to do? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Moses in the Old Testament. You guys all know the story of Moses. You know, raised in the palace, in Pharaoh's palace, and about 40 years old, he goes back to his Israeli people, his Jewish people, he kind of looks around and he sees an injustice, right? Sees something wrong, and he and he he, he just reacts and and he and he kills a man actually, uh, who is who is abusing Jewish people, 
And as a result of his action, Pharaoh is upset with him and wants to destroy him and kill him. His own people don't trust him. And so you find uh, Moses, this guy that was groomed for leadership, he's now in a foreign country and he's at Starbucks, right? He's at a well. That was their Starbucks of the day. And when I read the scriptures, I like to get into it. I like to feel it. Do you do that? Just kind of like to, I wonder what they were feeling, what were they thinking? So here's Moses, and he's in a foreign country. He doesn't know anybody. He's sitting down by a well, and he's thinking, I'm 40 years old. I had it all. Life has passed me by. It's over for me. Here's what he didn't know. He didn't know that what he would be remembered for, he hadn't even done yet. Okay? Now I want you to think about that. Take your pulse. Audience participation. Everybody do this. Here's why I like to think about this is if you've got a pulse, God's got a plan. And it is very possible. Listen, I'm 67 years old and I believe what I'll be known for I may not have even done yet because God has a plan. Okay? You were a part of God's creation, a part of his, you have a plan in his purpose. In fact, every morning when I wake up, how many of you wake up just really happy every morning? Is there anybody here? Yeah, you know, I'm happy for you, but I I, I don't like you, because that's not not my life. I wake up grumpy every morning. I do, I just do, I always have. Always think this is gonna be a terrible day. And so what I do, based on what I'm preaching today, because I'm preaching out, out of what I'm really feeling over this last season, and I, I hope you get some of it. So what I do is I have reminders on my iPhone. How many of you have an iPhone? The rest of you can't, can't afford one, so you've got uh, Android, right? So, so on my iPhone, so on my iPhone, what I do is I have a reminder every morning. I, I had it this morning. Here's what it says. This is gonna be a great day because I've got a father who loves me and has a wonderful purpose for my life. I read that every day. I confess that every morning. Adam and Eve's purpose was to bring the kingdom rule of God to everything they touched. Your purpose, get this, is to bring the kingdom rule of God into everything that you touch. And what you need to understand in this very helpful, is that your purpose and your assignment are not the same. A young man came into my office just a few weeks ago. It was at the beginning of baseball season. And baseball season is just starting. And, and he's been 15 years, major league pitcher. And, um, and because of injuries, this is his first year out. He came into my office before a service on a Sunday morning. He said, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And he began to weep. And he said, I know I shouldn't feel like this, but he said, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. He said for 15 years, even before that, he was a first round draft choice. In college, he was a great player, he was a pitcher. He said, but I, I, my identity is as a pitcher, as a baseball player. He said, I don't know what to do with myself right now. I said, um, Easter of this year, we transitioned our church to the next generation about eight, nine years ago. And, um, and, and Easter Sunday morning, I sat in the front row. We did eight services through the Easter season, and I didn't pray. 
on stage. I, n- I never went on stage. I sat and cheered everybody else on. I've had people come to me regularly and say, what is that like? I mean, you, you used to be the man. They're thinking about their situation and where they're How do you handle that? Well, this is important, that we understand this in everything that we do, that your purpose and your assignment are not the same. Your purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into every assignment. Your purpose is the same as Adam and Eve's. Your assignment is where you are currently fulfilling your purpose. Let me, let me kind of break that out. Your purpose, you have one purpose and that's to rule. Ruling will look different than conventional wisdom. Jesus said in Matthew 20, Jesus called his disciples together to explain some of this. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be what? Your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life uh, to many as ransom for many. In other words, lord it over, assert authority or dominance over something or someone. He says, it's not gonna be like that for you. And then um, he's talking to church leaders and elders and First Peter chapter five says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So he says, if, if you're a leader, you gotta be an example. An example of what? A spirit-filled life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That is the kingdom rule of God. And your purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into every assignment that you find yourself in. That's, that's it, to bring God's kingdom rule. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three is an example of living out your purpose of bringing the kingdom rule of God into every assignment. Listen. Since COVID broke out in 2020, I've been meditating on this verse every day because life got crazy. Did life get crazy for anybody else? Does anybody know people that went crazy? In your family, at work, at church? Can I say this? Brady, I'm gonna say it. It's kind of like a country song. God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. And that's kind of been the theme of, of the last three years. And so I've been meditating on this concept that I'm talking to you about and this verse, and here's what it says. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, he pulls the apostle card and, hey, by the way, I'm in jail, so listen to me. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the what? The calling, the purpose that you have received. And so here's, here's he says, this is how you live out your purpose. He gives three, three, three phrases. Be completely humble and gentle. Do you know anybody that's completely humble and gentle? Do you even wanna be completely humble and gentle? And yet that's what he says. I would argue if I had time that we need in our country, in our churches, we need political humility. We need theological humility. Okay. And here, just to give you a real clue, one of my friends, Billy Hornsby, taught me several years ago, here's how you do that. One phrase, four words will help you to be 
humble in politics, humble in theology, humble in every, in relationships and all. Here, here, here they are. Are you ready for this? You might be right. You might be right. See, our country doesn't value, our culture doesn't value humility right now. Would you agree with that? Our culture values certainty. You can be certain, you can be wrong, but if you're certain, it's okay, you win. But the kingdom of God is the opposite of that. The opposite, he says, he says if you're gonna serve out your calling, be completely humble and gentle. He says, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. And so what he says is that in every assignment that you find yourself, there should be evidence of your purpose. When you walk into a room, and it's a meeting room at, at your work tomorrow, there ought to be a sense of, wow, there's the kingdom rule of God just came in here. There, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There's less chaos in this room right now. Why? Because you brought the kingdom rule of God into your assignment. When you go to you know, Starbucks or wherever you get your coffee, there ought to be a sense that the kingdom rule of God just came into that place. Does that make sense? Because that is your purpose. That's your purpose. Say it out loud. My purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into my current assignment. Let's say that together. My purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into my current assignment. One more time. My purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into my current assignment. Let me talk to you just a minute about assignments. You will have several assignments in your lifetime. The Bible says do them all with all your heart. Some are what I call big assignments, macro assignments, all right? There are a lot of those. There are relational macro assignments. You know, I am a son, I am a brother, I am a boyfriend, I am a husband, I am a father, I am a grandfather. In each of those, my purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into my relational assignments, right? Okay, how about vocational? We have vocational assignments. I was thinking about, in, in, my, in my life, my vocational assignments, I've, I've had several of them. I started out washing cars on South Broadway in Denver, Colorado at a used car dealership. It doesn't get much lower than that. That was my assignment. Even then, I understood to some degree that my purpose was to bring Jesus into that, was to bring the, bring the, uh, the, um, the, the, the Spirit of God. I made computers for Hewlett Packard in Loveland in Fort Collins, Colorado. I pastored a small church uh, in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. We had 13 members and, uh, for quite a while. <laughs> Planted Seacoast Church, which became this mega, mega church multi-site. I coached high school basketball uh, in the city of Charleston. I started a global church planning movement that's planted uh, over 1,100 churches uh, mostly in the United States over the last 20 years. Right now, we're involved in creating a retreat for pastors so that they can live well and finish strong. But here's what I wanna say. None of those were my purpose, or uh, none of those were my identity. My identity is I am made in the image of God. I'm a beloved son of God. Those weren't my identity. Those weren't even my purpose. My purpose was to bring the kingdom rule of God into what those were. They were my assignment. So when one is over, move on to the next assignment, okay? Um, 
So anyway, uh, some are big, some are small. There's small micro assignments that we have. Uh, about a year ago, I was flying to Europe. Um, I do a round table for pastors twice a year uh, in, in uh, uh, just north of London. And I don't like to fly anyway. And uh, my, my, the, when I got my seat, I was sitting right next to the bathroom. How do you know that on a nine hour flight, that is a, that's a joy, that is a real joy. And then the guy next to me was, all I'm gonna say about him is that he was as opposite of me as a human being could be. And I'm sitting here moaning it. Does anybody else moan and complain before you get it right? I'm sitting here going, my God, nine hours, smell in the bathroom and next to this guy. And suddenly I remembered this message. This is my assignment for the next nine hours. It's ordained by God, okay? So what is my purpose? To bring the kingdom rule of God into that assignment. This guy and everybody around me doesn't need to hear my grumbling or my frowny face. What they need to experience is, oh, there's a little bit of Jesus here. There's peace, love, joy, kindness, patience, goodness, long-suffering, because my role was to bring the kingdom rule of God into my assignment. Two words, gratitude for my assignment and faithfulness to my purpose. So how, how do I know God cares about my work? I am made in his image. I've been given a purpose. I have a third point, and I'm just gonna give it to you and we're gonna close. He has commanded his blessing over me. It says that God blessed them. God blessed them so they could accomplish their purpose in their assignment. You know, it's the nature of God to bless you. We started a church planning movement 20 years ago, and um, some of us had experienced church planning before. We called it the y'all go ahead method of church planting. Okay, somebody raised their hand and said, I wanna, I wanna be a church planner. We call everybody down front and we pray over it and say, y'all go ahead. And we said, what if we created a resource rich environment for church planning? And we say to church planners, we're gonna give you everything we can to set you up for success. That's what God does. God gives you, God gives you his image. He gives you a purpose to bring the kingdom rule of God into every assignment. He gives you assignments. And then he says, I'm gonna bless you with everything you need in your assignment. God blessed them. He blessed them. He blessed them. Gave them fuel for the journey. One last scripture. John 4 and verse 31. Jesus is with the disciples. And he's been fulfilling his purpose in, in his assignment at that particular time, and he was hungry. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing of. Then his disciples said to each other, did somebody run some, some uh, uh, Chick-fil-A in on him? I mean, where, where, did he, where did he get the food? And he said this, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Here's what Jesus was saying. His fuel for his purpose and his assignments was obedience. Because obedience brings blessing, and blessing creates energy. Well, I wanna close with this. Where do you need energy right now? Which assignment do you have that maybe is wearing you out? It might be a vocational assignment. It might be a relational assignment. I want you to take a minute of self-reflection 
Am I being obedient right now to the known will of God? When I come into my assignment, am I bringing more chaos? Am I bringing more frustration? Am I bringing more questions? Or am I bringing the kingdom rule of God into my assignment? Can I say like Jesus, my food, my energy comes from doing the will of God? I wanna pray for you this morning. I wanna pray that you would understand that you are made in the image of God. I want you to understand that you have a purpose in the grand design of God's kingdom. And it's not, it's not like something you chase after all of your life and wonder if you ever got it. You have it. Just allow God to flow through you. And I'm gonna pray for some of you right now that are in difficult assignments. You may be in a season where you wonder if, wow, maybe my best is behind me. Can I, can I say this to you? That's not Jesus talking to you. That's the enemy. Because if you've got a pulse, God's got a plan. And your best, I believe, is ahead of you, not behind you. Would you bow your heads for prayer real quickly? Would you bow your heads for prayer? God, I thank you for this wonderful group of people who uh, have set aside time this morning to worship you to put you first, to seek you first. And you said that if we would seek you first in all things, that you would give us all that we need to accomplish your purpose through us in our season. God, I pray for that. I pray for some who are in a difficult relational season and assignment right now. God, I pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in that. God, I pray for those in a difficult season of work, and it seems foggy like it is outside and we just wonder what, am I in the right place? What's next? God, I pray that an assurance would come that you're right there in the middle of it. And if we'll just focus on bringing your kingdom into that assignment, that you will give us all that's needed in our life at this moment and at this time. God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me this morning? Can we say thank you to Pastor Greg for preaching that beautiful word? Identity, purpose, assignment. What we're going to do right now is come through to receive communion. And I could hardly think of a better thing to do because Jesus is the one who on the night that he was betrayed, talk about a difficult assignment. He's about to climb the hill, give his life, somehow, some way, found the power of the Spirit to do this difficult task and to do it with joy. And so we're gonna come through the room this morning. If you're new with us, you'll, the ushers will lead you. You'll come through, get the communion elements and go back to your seats. If you're not able to physically come through, no shame. Just tap your neighbor and say, hey, bring me an extra. They'll be happy to do that. But we're gonna worship the Lord right now and come through the room to receive the elements. Go back to your seat and I'll be back in just a minute here and we'll receive the elements together. Let's worship the Lord. <laughs> 